Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. How are we doing? Yeah? Doing well? How many of you are ready for a push into your week? Can I push you a little bit into your week? You know, when you're like, you're going to go out, you're going to go on a ride, maybe at the top of the hill and you want your kids and daddy, can you give me a push? I'm going to give you a push into your week today. And this is uh, the kind of sermon God kind of changed things on me like early in the week. And you know, as a preacher, sometimes that happens. Uh, This is going to be a different kind of message than you've heard maybe the last few weeks. I think it may be a little more challenging. It's been challenging to my own life. I want to give a message though, that at the end it's, it goes beyond inspiration and it's more about participation. How many of us want to participate more, right? It, it, this isn't something, I don't want you to just walk out. I can inspire you. I mean, that's like one of the only gifts I have on this planet. Somehow I can inspire human beings and I can inspire you and you leave here and then there's no change in our lives. How many of us want real practical, maybe some steps on how to bring about some transformation in our lives? Ultimately, I'm not the one that transforms with speakers, but God, how many of you want God to change your life? And we want this to be a church where I know many of you came in here today, and I'm preaching already, I'm not even into this sermon, but I'm just kind of talking, can we be a little more conversational right now? Is that all right? Yeah, good, I didn't really ask, I don't really care what you think, but it's all good. But how about this being a kind of message where we, we look at our lives and we say, you know what, it's not about what God can just do for us, what about what God wants to do through us? What about what God wants to do through our lives? May this be that kind of message. And I'm deviating a little bit. This is the only part of this series. And I'm going to do something different. I'm going to usher in something else, a different topic that we want to move into as a church next week. Uh, But this is going to be a different message in the series in, in Jesus in 3D. This is part five. We started on Easter. All right. And this message, though, it's I'm not really giving you a story per se, from the life of Jesus. I'm going to give you words from Jesus. And here's how I want to start this sermon, though, today. How many of you, we've been here for 10 years, 10 years in this place, 10 years we've been in this church. Yeah, you can clap for that. All right, come on, you can clap for that. It's a good thing. 10 years we've been here. It's pretty amazing. But I went the other day, and I had Jameson in the back seat, and I took a little ride, and I was checking out the old church. Just kind of checking it out. How many of you that have been around for some time, you ever go over there and you just check it out? Drive by, do you ever like, I was creeping up on the windows, hoping nobody really, so I had to look inside, nobody was there. But reminiscing about time at the old building, can I talk for a minute about the time at the old building and how when you go in there, we didn't have any live music in the old, right Steve? No live music. We'd have somebody stuck up in the, in, in, in the back, right, almost like, right? I mean, it was scary up there. You didn't know what animals were going to pop out, right? It was a weird place to be. We didn't have any of this live music. And I know for me, I mean, when I first started preaching years ago, when I was there, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't have much word really inside. I mean, some stuff. And then, of course, Pastor Linda's like, no, you're ready to go. Get out there. Right? And I even remember on the front row, we used to sing, remember Days of Elijah? For some reason, I'm thinking about it this week. And there was a, there was a, a, a part of the floor in the church that you thought, when we were raising the roof on that song, you thought somebody was going through. 
You want to talk about 12-step programs? That would make you lose weight because you were afraid that you were going to go through the floor. Right? Amazing. And I was thinking about myself, and I'm going, I'm looking back at my younger self as a preacher. I didn't really have much in the way of knowledge. I had a little bit, not really a heck of a lot. I didn't have much going for me, but you know what I had going for me? Passion. Passion. The music team, did you have passion when you were up there? Yes, you did. Pastor Linda, you preached a lot of messages in that church. You had passion. Passion. They've done research. Harvard University, a communications professor. And this is what he said. He said what marked the difference between really good communicators and maybe those that were less effective. It wasn't how articulate people are, were, right? Not about how articulate you are. It wasn't about your vocabulary. It was about how much passion people had when they communicated. The audience was more receptive. Passion. And I went on Amazon just to have fun this week. And I just wanted, I typed, I I put in passion. I wanted to look up all the different books. So you ready for this? Can I tell you some of the books about passion topics? I typed in a passion for, this is what I got. Passion for birds. A passion for math. God help us. A passion for cactus. Really? A passion for steam. A A passion for fashion gardening, golf, hunting, gluten-free cooking. I just made that up because that's going to be my book. There was even a book called A Passion for Mushrooms. I had to check that one out because I was a little unsure what the book was about. A Passion for Needlepoint, A Passion for Pasta, and A Passion for Ponies. Look at this picture that I found. This is a real book. Why is there a man holding a My Little Pony? Even they don't want it. God didn't want to see it. Do you find that kind of weird? Did you know there's actually a subculture called bronies? And I learned this at school. As a sociology teacher, Jamal's nodding. I make my kids do an assignment. They have to research a subculture, right, in America. And... I had kids get up and they're talking about bronies, men in their 30s and 40s that dress up like My Little Pony characters, and I can't believe that made it into a sermon, but that's real. And there's like these conferences, and I watch, these kids are showing me like video clips of grown men that are going to, weird, right? You find that kind of weird? There are things, passion for everything, anything you can think of, you go on Amazon, you go check it out. But what's wild to me, you know what's wild to me? Don't mind me as I just kind of like, I am not going to light the church. In 10 years, I am not going to light this place on fire. You know what was interesting to me, though, as I was thinking about it? How come in American society today, we can be passionate about anything we want except our faith? How come we can be passionate about anything? Nobody really minds. Once You can go to a political rally and, and shout and scream and lose your voice. I'm watching the NFL draft the other night, and there are rabid, crazy lunatics that are in Dallas, and they're not even Dallas fans. They're there for their team, and they're shouting, and they're screaming about the guy that they're going to pick. Sorry, Jet fans, whomever that quarterback they picked, he's not going to pan out. You just know that's going to be the case, right? 
And it's crazy, though, how passionate people can get about and They go to a concert, right? And people can go crazy. But once you start get pas- getting passionate about your faith, about Jesus Christ, people go, uh-oh, this person's a little crazy. Watch out. But how come I'm allowed to dress up like a weird person or a character? How come I'm allowed to cry when my team loses in a game and that's acceptable? But when I come into church, I can't cry. What's wrong with our culture? It's all convoluted. It's not supposed to be that way. Passion, passion. We were meant to be a people that live with passion. And I love what C.S. Lewis says about Christianity and passion. He said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Uh, I got a hill house this week. I had to step it up, right? Throw a little C.S. in there. Moderately important. It's either really important or it's nothing. There's really no in between. And when you look at the gospel, what Jesus gave up, what Jesus did, come on, that's passion. Passion. Real passion. Can I talk about another book in the Bible where somebody talks about passion? You have your Bibles or you can just follow along on the screen. We're going to be in Revelation 2. I don't go to Revelation a lot. If you've been around here for any length of time, I am not an expert on the book of Revelation. I know some of you are, and other people claim that they understand everything about Revelation. Well, I just don't. Freely admit that. Hard book, fun book to look at, but a lot of different opinions about what's going on there. And I'm going to read you, and then I'll set the context. I'm going to be in chapter 2, right? And it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered, And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Not lost your first love. You left it. Nobody made you leave it. God didn't do it. You did it. I did it. You left your first love. Remember. Oh, is it, isn't it good sometimes to remember? To go back and to remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, which just means to turn around. And do the first works, not the things, the first works, what you used to do. Remember, go back, do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What's going on here? You're like, I'm a little lost. That's okay. This is a book where the apostle John has been exiled to an island called Patmos. Where is Patmos geographically? It's right near this place called Ephesus. If you don't know anything about about the Bible, that's fine. There's a book in the Bible, it's called Ephesians. Many people believe 
John was a pastor. I, and, and scholars debate this. I don't want to get too deep into this, but scholars debate, I, I agree, given all, everything that I've read on this, that John was probably a pastor there. He spent a lot of time there. I've mentioned this to you before, but it's worth repeating. John, they tried to kill. The Roman emperor, Domitian, tried to kill him, and he put him in a cauldron of boiling oil. Does that sound fun? Does anybody want to be dropped in a cauldron of boiling oil? They couldn't kill him. So the emperor, and you can look this up. Go to Tertullian in the second I could give you like there's so many different pieces of, uh, of evidence, secular and Christian, that point to this really happening. And the emperor said, I'm going to take you and you're leaving. You're out of here. I can't kill you. I'm going to exile you. And you're going to this island of Patmos. It is there that John gets this revelation and gets a beatific vision. He's brought up, and this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus has a message. These were not uh, fake churches, or this is not some, some, these were real churches in Asia Minor, and there are seven of them. And there are seven letters. So when you start in chapter two and you move through, in every single church, you, got the, you have this going for you, but I have this against you. You have this going for you, but I have this against you. Now, where did this church start? I promise I'm not going to be long on the history, but it's important to set the context, is it not? Because if you don't understand the context, how can you really understand what, what it's talking about? Paul started this church 43 years prior to John writing this. 43 years prior. Paul, if you want to read up on this, I didn't have time to throw it in my sermon, but I can just give you a scriptural reference. If you want to go to Acts 19, you can see the story when Paul, with his compadres, he comes inland to this place. Now, Ephesus was an amazing place. And Paul comes in with his boys. He comes in rolling up with his posse. And they come on the island. And he winds up meeting, Acts 19 again, he winds up meeting John the Baptist, some of his followers, 12 followers of John. And you know Paul, right? I'm about to, I think I want to do a series on Paul. You know, I did one on David. How about one on Paul? How about rocking one out on Paul? Everyone's like, yep, that's happening. All right, that's happening. Had to see your reaction. All right, class, that'll happen. I'm not telling you, I'm going to need the summer to really amp up, load up for that, to walk in matrix style and just come in in like September and go after it. What was I saying? Oh, anyway, the story. So there's Paul and he sees 12 followers and he goes up to them. And, and he talks to them, and he asks them, yeah, are your followers okay? Your followers of Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, holy who? What? I don't know what you're talking about. Paul lays hands on them, and he baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. And after that, these guys are amped up, and they're going around, and they're talking about who Jesus Christ is. And guess what happens, though? Some of the people that were there in Ephesus, they got uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable because these guys were too vociferous. They're too outspoken about their faith. How many of us know sometimes you can be so passionate, you get around people that are apathetic, and it does something to you. The people that were apathetic didn't like these followers of Christ coming in and talking about Jesus. So Paul went to the synagogues. With going around, speaking about Christ. People are uncomfortable. Gets kicked out of the synagogues. And then where does he want? You can read this in Acts 19. He winds up in a lecture hall. Because what happens if you have passion and you go somewhere and you're speaking about Christ, don't worry. God will make a way where there doesn't seem like there's a way because he's a way maker. And he kind of laughed and he said, oh, you want to stop my man from going in the synagogues? Don't worry. I'll send him over to the lecture hall. 
Because passion sometimes has to be expressed. There has to be a place to have passion, to show people. So that's the background of Ephesus. But I didn't give you the real history. This is also a place, this is an artist's rendering. This is the temple of Artemis. Who was Artemis? Artemis was the daughter of Zeus. This was the seventh wonder of the ancient world. Seventh wonder. This beautiful temple that was there. Now, culturally and religiously, a pluralistic society. Many different gods, many different belief systems, many different philosophies in Ephesus. Do you know that it was the fourth biggest city in the world at that time? 300,000 people. It was a seaport, hustle and bustle. There is a lot that's going on in Ephesus. It's a really important place. So when Jesus, talking through John, is talking about Ephesus, this is really important, and Paul is passionate. And God says, I got to get this guy's passion in the right place. I'm going to keep you in Ephesus for a few years. A few years he stays there. How many of us know we need to have passion in things we do? How many of you have real passion in parenting? You have passion in parenting? Well, I don't know what I ascribe to the philosophy I ascribe to the philosophy as a parent, if my kid likes Legos, I'm not going to buy you one Lego. I'm going to buy you three Legos. If my kid likes Minecraft, I'm going to kind of pretend I really like it. I'm going to sit there and let you tell me about Minecraft, even though I really don't fully understand it, right? Some of you parents, I see you laughing because your kids play Minecraft too, and you're looking at me judging the pastor. That's not that spiritual. Why is he letting his kid? It's not bad. You know what I'm talking about? Whatever your kids are involved with, we need passion. And you want to instill that in your kids as parents. You want to make sure that's the case. And I look at Paul. Paul didn't start in Ephesus. Paul started in a place called Damascus. God hid him in Damascus and said, you are going to learn here first. I'm going to teach you some things here. You're not going to go to Ephesus yet. You need to be trained. And there are things that are going to happen. It's almost like David. You remember we did, I told you we did a series on David last year. I love doing the book, the life of David and going through everything, all the stories. Do you remember that David in the same way, right? Very similar to somebody like Paul. Do you remember that David was the eighth son and he was out? Where was he? He was in the pasture. And when the prophet came, he wasn't even brought inside, but he had some passion out in the pasture because he was killing lions, tigers, and bears. The text says lions and bears, but I had to throw the tigers in. And he's killing these animals, but he has passion there. And the same passion that he had in the pasture is going to be the same pasture passion that he has in the palace. He brought it with him. He didn't leave it in the pasture. He said, the passion that I have, and some of you need to wake up this morning, and the passion that I had here, I'm bringing it with me all the way to the palace because I can't leave it over there. I got to bring it with me because I know God wants to do something through my life. Does anybody have passion? And it's frustrating sometimes because we can let other people minimize our passion. Do not let somebody else put a ceiling on your passion. Do not let somebody put a ceiling on your passion. And the problem is, as I almost fall, and the problem is that we come to church and maybe you meet somebody that's been here for, I don't know, they've been a Christian, Bobby's been a Christian for 20, I'm just throwing stuff. I'm, you can tell I'm amped up, right? 
So, so Bobby's been a Christian for 25 plus years. And then somebody new comes to the church. Like I always, like Mike or this Mike. I see people, right? They come to the church and there's a fire inside of them. They're on fire for Christ. And then, but they look around and people are like, and they want to jump. You want to jump? I talk to some of you. And some of you go, I want to shout you down. I want to jump up sometimes when things are happening. But you're afraid of what other people are going to say and how they're going to look at you. It's true. I don't want, listen, if I'm going to do this for the long term, I'm not living in the Episcopalian Presbyterian Church. That's not me. That's not me. It's fine. If you want to go somewhere else, that's cool. But, but, but the new person that comes in, they want to read their Bible. They don't know that you don't read your Bible, that we only read about it on Sundays, and then the rest of the week we don't even look at it. They don't know that yet. Oh, I'm preaching. It's heavy, but it's true. If I was to go around the room, come on, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. Remember, I said last week, we want to be tra- I want to be transformed, Pastor. I want to be transformed. Do you want to be challenged? It's easy to just sit up here and not challenge, but sometimes we have to stand up here and say things that are difficult. They're not easy. I think it's easy for me to say that, but it's true. I'm talking to myself, too. Where's your passion, Pastor? Do you have the same passion that you had when you first started? Do you have the same passion? I have more? Oh, okay, that's nice. (laughs) But he tells Paul, thank you. He tells Paul, though, he says, hey, Paul, you're going to stay here in Ephesus. They didn't have any knowledge, those guys that were in Ephesus, but they had passion. They didn't have a 5013C tax-exempt status but they had passion. They didn't have a Christian president, but they had passion. They got in trouble with the Jewish religious system because they had passion in following Jesus. Where is the passion? And I love what Paul says. How about my boy Timothy? Look what he says in, in, in 1 Timothy. He says this in 1, 3, and 4. As I urge you, Paul talking to his mentee, Timothy, who was in his mid-20s, Probably when, when Paul's, as I urged you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. There's that, there we are again, Ephesus. So Paul is telling him, Timothy, spend some time in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. And he goes on in 2 Timothy, if you know it well, he, he, it's kind of, can we call him Timid Timmy? Timid Timmy, Timothy is so timid. I don't know, Paul, if I can do it. I don't know if I have the strength to do it, Paul. Yes, you can, Timmy. Paul says to him, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and of love. He's given you a sound mind, brother. I don't care if you're in your mid-20s. I don't care what kind of doctrinal issues are going on in Ephesus. God has put you in this place. You are to stay here, Timothy. You are to help work things out here. And I know it may be difficult, but it looks like when you read this text that Timmy Timmy wanted to run. Timmy Timmy wanted to run I don't know where he wanted to run off to but it looks like he didn't really want to stay here 
You don't have to tell people that really love something. You have to tell somebody when they really love something to, or anything, right? To stay here. They love a, you have to stay here. They love it. They're not going to leave. How many of you like, you went to massage, you revel in massage. I'm not a big massage guy, but I can tell you this. I have never had a massage therapist say to me, you need to stay on the table. Have you ever had a massage therapist tell you, you have to stay on the table because you wanted to get off? Not usually the case. I've had coaches yell at me, Lechi, I need another rep. I need another one. You're not done yet. One more lap, right? You know what I'm talking about? When your passion is in its place, when you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're feeling, I'm going to get deeper into this. You may sit here and go, this word, can I just, I'll just, this word has been so abused in our culture. The word has been hijacked in our culture, emasculated by the feel-good culture and the moral relativity that we see all over the place. What am I talking about? Truth is whatever you want it to be. It is, this is the word passion has been prostituted by all these leadership gurus that go around and it's positive thinking and positive psychology and just have passion. Do you know when I get it, got into the etymology of the word passion, the word passion that we have in English comes from the Latin word which means for suffering? Suffering? Why do you think? I asked Megan this morning. I said, you know that? She said, no. I said, good. Most people probably won't know that because you're the literature teacher. So I'm thinking about it. Why did Mel Gibson call it the passion of the Christ? Do you know the word passion came around in the 12th century when scholars came up with this word in pointing to what Christ did? But the word means suffering. We hear passion in our culture and what do we think? We think of some, oh, it's what they love to do. I just want to go chase down what I love to do. That's not passion. Passion is not if I can really preach it and be transparent. Passion is not when I watch a movie and I see a couple and they, they, they meet in a bar and then they go home and they rip their clothes off. That's not passion. That's hormones. It's attraction. Plus, that's not, that's, come on. But all these movies and I get so mad, young people, because that's what Hollywood tries to sell us. This is real passion. You know what passion is? Let me tell you. And my dad probably doesn't even remember this. I remember going to my grandparents' house one time in Nassau County. And my grandmother had a stroke. And there was my grandfather. You probably don't remember this. And I was in the den. And my grandmother was in the bathtub. And my grandfather was in there. And she fell in the bathtub. And he was getting her back on her feet. That to me was passion. That a man could take a woman that was, that was in old age and didn't have much left. That's passion. Passion is when a married couple says, you know what? Things really aren't going. Talk to somebody. We need to spend more time together like my wife has done to me. There's not enough passion in this room, men, for our wives. Can I, keep, can I go another step? Can I go over the line maybe now? If we don't have as men for our wives, listen, my, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to you, with you. Because I got sat down recently. I put it out there for you. as a, I got sat down recently because my wife didn't feel like she was first. And you know what? She was right. Distracted. Got to put out great sermons every week. Got to feed people. What about my marriage? And she slapped me around. And I deserved it. Give me another smack, baby. How's our marriage right now? Good? Girl, I put you on the spot and good was not the answer I was looking for. 
I was looking for, honey. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. But you know what I mean, right? But you know what? Can I? Can I? I know we're in church, but we're just we're just talking like as friends. If we don't love our wives with the same intensity or an ever increasing intensity than we did when we first start dating, guess what? We may lose them. That's not a threat. That's reality because somebody else will. Somebody else will if we don't love them. And when my wife sits me down and says, I need this and I need this and I need you to be more emotionally present, this room is quiet, which means this is a good sermon. (laughs) Eerily quiet right now. I told you the other week, I'm not just preaching to the women. Some of you look at me, right? And imagine if I got up here, y'all, and I was preaching how some of you listen. Can I show you what that would be like? Today, we're going to be in uh, Revelation 2. And Paul, he um, has a message. He was in Ephesus like 43 years ago. And um, what time is it? And uh, he's, uh, he, he was there like, I don't know, 40-something years ago, whatever. And uh, he just like, you know, I don't know, he kind of came in and he started this church and it was really cool and he met some of John's boys and they like kind of hooked up together and the Holy Spirit fell and I, this guy John, you know, he's one of the disciples and he's writing this story about Jesus and Jesus is talking and he's like, hey, look, you lost your first love. When are you going to come back to it? You know, you got to come back, man. You, you got to come back. And you're like, oh, yeah. are you right? Come on. That's how some of us can listen, though. I want to get a camera. I should just start coming over to some of you and look at some of your faces and go, this is what you look like when I'm preaching. This is what you look like. Do you like when I challenge you or no? You now want me to challenge you? (laughs) But listen, as time goes on, our passion right here, what happens is it goes out. It goes out for so many reasons. A passion, it wanes and it's gone. And Jesus says, I want you to go back to the passion that you had before. Remember what it was like? Do you remember when you were first in love and you were infatuated? Stony Brook University, don't get me going here on sociological studies and stuff, but Stony Brook University did a study and they looked at people in the early throes of romance. You know what they said? You know that, that feeling of infatuation and all you want to do is be with the other person before they realize how quirky you are? How long, girl, before you realize how crazy I was and I had to have the, 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 the chapstick out, hit the corners of my mouth and do all these weird things, right? It took six to eight months, that period lasts of infatuation doesn't go on forever that's the christian life too come on right that's the christian life so passion i don't even know where i am my most i'm just we're having a conversation today i don't know but listen what's so interesting to me is we mistake passion it's all convoluted and we think if you if you have these feelings can i say it to us this morning i think one of the most important things passion has to go beyond feelings passion has to go beyond feelings. It's not a feeling. And let me tell you too, some of you look at me and you go, you're passionate, it's a personality type. No, it's not. Personality, it is not a personality type. Passion is not how high I can jump. Passion is, are my feet down on the ground and can I walk straight when I'm going in the morning? That's passion. Feet hit the ground, I'm going. 
Passion is not a personality type. But we think it's about feelings. See, I'm loud. The baby is like, I do not like this guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it has to go beyond feelings. And listen, too, interest is not passion. Knowledge is not passion. That's not passion. And you know how passion gets proven in our world? You know how it gets proven? Perseverance. Passion is proved by perseverance. How we can go on. And you can't find your passion until you find your feelings. Go beyond them. You have to go past them. And real passion says, you know what? I'm in the church and I don't care if people recognize me or they don't. Real passion says, I'm going to worship you when I'm up here and when I'm down here. I'm going to keep going when I don't feel like it. When my body says stop, I'm going to keep going anyway. And the problem is, many of us wake up on a Sunday morning. We go, I don't feel like going to church today. Really? You tell your feelings what you want to do. Where is the passion? Come on. Giving God our best. We tip God. Here you go, God. We tip God our time. We tip God our money. God wants our best. Not whatever's just left over, the rest of what we have. He wants the very best that we have. But I want to be like Ruth, Naomi. I'm not letting you go. I want to be like Elisha, Elijah. I'm burning all the oxen. I'm burning up the plows and I'm following you because I've had this nagging, nebulous thing called potential on the inside of me. I'm not going to stop. You know what passion is? What Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Son of God is on his knees, bleeding drops of blood. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Go beyond what you feel. Stop being moved by your feelings. Come on. How many, listen, that's why, Steve, can we just, can we talk? They're listening in on our conversation. John, you're a worship leader too. Megan, who are you texting, baby? I know, I'm kidding. She's not, she's, she's doing music. She's, I'm not getting in trouble later, but listen. When, that's why, when you come on Friday nights, do you get it? We say it sometimes. We probably don't say it enough. They're here. What time did you get? I didn't even see my wife. All Friday, I didn't even see my wife. I'm picking my one guy up. She's at church here. You miss your kids. They're doing on a Friday night. Y'all are here till 1030, 11 o'clock at night. That's passion. When you don't want to, my sister uh, and all the other women that you're part of the Kidmo ministry, when you get together, that's passion. Because when you first start out, it's real easy. But as time goes on, it gets more and more difficult. And that's when you have to say, you know what? I got to keep moving. I got to keep going. As a preacher, I don't want to come in and preach. I like coming in today, but not every Sunday. And there have been moments that you wouldn't have known over the years where I didn't know how I was going to do it. I woke up too on Monday morning with a holy hangover. It's a holy hangover. How am I going to get out of bed and go do my job today? Because I'm exhausted. I gave everything I had. And I go, how was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend. I worked all weekend. What did you do? Nothing. I worked. I don't say that to anyone, but... And it's kind of like when, when you see this too, I, I look at it, Steve, and I, I look at what you do every single week, or, or, or the whole team, not just talking to everybody on the whole team. And you know what? I don't know what hell you've been going through this week. 
They don't know what hell I've been going through this week. But when we come in here, let's make it heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. When we're in here and we worship, that's why if you're up on this stage, you better have passion. That's why if you're in with the kids, you better have passion. And don't give me this garbage. Well, look what I do. My job really isn't that important, yeah? Well, if you want God to take you to another level, you better be faithful in the small things. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. We have stuff going on behind the scenes, even with the youth that's going to be unfolded soon. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Things are going to happen. Got to trust. And I look at this kind of like, it, 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 when, he's, when he's challenged here, when Jesus is challenging about passion, I think it's really interesting here that it's kind of like parental guidance, isn't it? It's like parental guidance that telling us this is what you really need to do. Sometimes we don't want to listen to our parents too, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You always want to listen to what your parents say? Always? I didn't think so. And I love what it says here And we'll put it up here again. This is important. When Jesus is saying, you didn't lose it, you abandoned it. Do not regret where you are, Jesus is saying. Remember where you were. Can you remember where you were? Don't regret where you are right now. Go back and remember where you were. When we used to have that love, do you remember that? He's calling us as the church, not just Ephesus. He's calling us to action. Do the things you did at first. And how many of us, what do you say? Well, what, how do I, if you're sitting here, are you wondering, well, you know what, pastor? I, this is me. My passion is gone. I don't have any passion. I don't even have an ember. I have nothing. I don't have anything. How do I get my passion back? Do we pray? Lord, give me my passion back. (laughs) I don't really feel anything. Are we supposed to be praying that our passion? Yes, you betcha we're supposed to be praying that. You know how you want to get your, who wants to know how you get your passion back? One of the ways, that's good, no hands went up. One of the ways we can get our passion back is by practice. Practicing those things that we did earlier. Your first love. I prayed for two. I prayed, but I didn't feel anything. I would say, pray for a couple of minutes and see the kind of peace that three to five minutes gives you. And then the next day, maybe you pray a little bit more. I said to you before about reading the Bible, I'm not asking you to go home and read the whole book of Ephesians tonight. But what if you left here and said, this week, I'm going to read one or two verses a day. That's it. And then maybe next week, you say, I'm going to go three to four. And then the week after, you're doing four to six. And then by the end of the month, you're reading the whole book of Ephesians. Would that be a bad thing? Practice, practice, practice. You know what I think about? And this is sick and twisted. And I said, do, I'm thinking about it this morning. I'm like, do I share this with them? You know what I have an image of when I read the Bible? I always have an image and a picture. I read a story years ago of a POW in, in, a, uh, in Vietnam in, in a prison camp. This guy knew the Bible. He had the Bible inside his head. No matter what they did to him physically, no matter how they tortured him, they couldn't take away the word that was in his mind. 
And what I think about sometimes, I don't know why, but my mind goes there. When I'm pouring over scripture and I'm reading it, I imagine that I'm in a situation like that. Again, I told you it's weird. But I imagine that I'm in like kind of like a prison, but I have the Bible inside of me. So I'm like John Bunyan, who they said his blood was bibline, that if you pricked him in any spot, he just had the word inside of him. I want to be like that when I'm in a situation to know who my redeemer is, to know that I can get through it. Come on. That's what I want to be like. And what's going to happen? I told you we've been here for 10 years. What's going to happen in 20 years from now? Are we going to be a church that tells, we're gonna, that our kids are going to look at us and go, remember when? Remember when you had that passion? Remember when you did all these great things? Remember when you did Compassion Sunday? Which, by the way, can I just stop and pause on that? How do you not want to be part of Compassion Sunday and do something in the community in a couple of weeks? Wow, that's weak. Weak. This is our community. This is ours. And I hear, I don't feel well. My kids have this. My kid, really? Really? You tell God one day. Once a year, we do Compassion Sunday. How about getting off our butts and going out into the community and do it? Yeah, if you're religious, you didn't like that. I don't care. How about getting up and saying, I want to be an agent of change in the community, and my kids are going to be there. 15 years from now, and they look, and they, we, would, we did that. City on a Hill Community Church did that. We made a difference. How many churches are out there doing stuff like that? Don't you give me these cheap excuses that you can't make it and you can't come. The church is not these four walls. It's us when we get outside and we explode. That's where the kingdom moves. That was just like a little... And the worst advice, you know what some of the worst advice is? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to close. You know what some of the worst advice is we could give? And this is what I always thought. I read a book, and I won't give you the author because I actually really like the author. But almost 20 years ago, I read a book. And the, and the author's premise was, just kind of follow your passion. Whatever's inside of you. I think the worst thing we could tell young people is, just go follow your passion. Why? Because when the storms of life come and somebody says, hey, and don't even get me started, you know if you followed your passion, you would have married that crazy girl, that crazy guy. You know it's true. You can't, young people, all of us, we can't just go around and follow our passions. That's dangerous. And look, it went out. Because if there's anything, if we get storms that come our way, we're going to get blown over and we're not going to make it if we just follow our passion. So then, preacher, what am I supposed to do if I don't follow my passion? Well, I'm glad you asked because the title of the sermon is Passion on Purpose, which means that we are to have passion. You better light, baby. We are to have passion that goes on top of, or I'll use this, the, the, the candlestick, that goes on top of it. Our purpose is the, the way we walk out the journey. Our passion is the light that sees us through. When there is darkness, our passion follows our purpose, not the other way around. 
And so many people are losing their passion because they have it the opposite way. And maybe you've been disenchanted. Maybe you have found this Christianity thing weird and you don't really like it. And I would say, maybe you're following your passion instead of trying to follow your purpose and tell your passion to come along with you. Hey, baby, come here for a second. No, no, she, she's, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Imagine, imagine this now, that you are filming, you're, you're the video camera. Get the video thing going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you're videoing me, okay? All right. How weird would it be if you're the camera? What are you doing? I don't want them. I just want you. You just want me, baby. I'm more than enough for you, babe. So, really? Really? You have to act when you're up here, right? The thespian and Megan comes out. Oh, really? All right. So imagine you are, you are the camera, right? You're holding it. And, and I'm the preacher. But you move around. And I, it, it's, it's, pa- it's purpose following passion. How weird is it that, oh, I'm trying to stay with you. Oh, you're really quick. Oh, how weird is it if I'm following the, she as the camera. I want it back now. She, I don't want you to record me anymore. It is. So I'm thinking, how weird is it, how flipped we have it, that our purpose is following our passion. It's all, it's all out of whack. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And we get lost. And it's more than goosebumps and comfortable feelings. It's not the way it is. We need to be a people that live on purpose. What is our purpose Can I ask us, how do we get, what is one thing? Can you go back to, let's make this practical. Can you go back to one thing that, what did you used to do when you felt that first love? When you were with Jesus and all you wanted to do was read the word or all you wanted to do was pray and all you wanted to do was be around other people. Can I ask us, what did you do then? Can I say, can we go back to just pick one thing, get an ember going, pick one thing and watch what God will do in your life this week. God wants to set somebody free here today that the passion that was inside that you abandoned and I abandoned Jesus didn't take it away. We left it. That means it's inside of us. And that means there needs to be an awakening. What's that Star Wars movie that something awakens? We need a reawakening inside of us for that passion that's there to come out. That's what Christ is looking for. Where is it? Where is that passion? Music team, I want you to come up because I'm really closing now. What's one thing that we can do? Can I, can I close with a, a little story? Because I want to tell you, this is the biggest battle for me as a preacher. And I think a lot of you will be able to relate to this. How many of you heard the name before, G. Campbell Morgan? Did you ever hear that name before? G. Campbell Morgan was a prolific uh, author, British author, pastor, preacher in the 20th century. And in one of his books, he had a great story about his 11-year-old daughter. 
And you see, he has this 11-year-old daughter, and he talked about how they always did everything together, that they always spent time together, wherever. He just wanted to be with her. When she wasn't at school, he wanted to have daddy time. They would talk. They would laugh. They did things, right, that fathers and daughters would do. But then something happened for three months. You see, for three months, he felt as if she was aloof. She felt as if he was kind of like, she was, he felt she was brushing him off, didn't really want to be around. Every time he wanted to hang out, she was super busy. And it kind of mystified him. He was perplexed. Why is this happening? Why is my daughter doing this? Well, three months later, right, it's his birthday. And there she is. She comes into her father's room on the morning of the birthday. And she comes inside and she has a present and she has a big smile on her face. And she says, dad, here, happy birthday. And he's like a little take aback. Oh, honey, thank you. That's so nice of you. And he opens up the present. And inside this box was an exquisitely crafted pair of slippers. And Morgan says to his daughter, oh, honey, these slippers are beautiful. Thank you so much for buying them for me. And she says, daddy, I didn't buy them for you. I made them for you. Daddy, I love you. And with that, though, this is the part that got me. He said to her, honey, I love these slippers, but next time, can you buy a pair of slippers so I can have you? Because I'd rather have you than you be busy. I want you and I want all of you. And I would say one of the biggest barriers as Christians is, We can get so busy doing stuff for Jesus that we miss being with Jesus. We can say, I'm doing all this stuff for you, but Jesus says, I just want you to sit at my feet. That's what Christ wants, church. He wants the people that aren't so busy. He wants the people that say, yes, yes, yes. How many of us this morning, as the music team is going to play, I think this should be a holy time. I think this should be a time, I'm not going to pray with you. You can work it out with God. Unless you have something pressing. But as this song is playing this morning, if that's you, I'm not putting any pressure on you. Don't you get up here if you feel as if I have to get up. You don't have to come down here. But if you're someone and you want this, You want to have that passion burning inside. You want a passion that follows your purpose and you feel like it's been extinguished. I want you to come up and I want you to say today, Lord, I want my passion back. I want it all back. That which the devil has taken, God wants to restore twofold today. Like Elisha, I'm getting a double portion of your anointing, Elijah. Hey, David, you lost your passion. You slept with Bathsheba. Come on, wake up. Solomon's coming. That kid that you had's lost. You're going to have another kid. Find your passion. Stand up. Stand up. Let's go. If that's you, this, again, this is not just inspiration this morning. We need to get back to our first love. Christianity is not about something that we're moderate in. I'm lukewarm. I'm in today. I'm out tomorrow. I'll come to church once every two months. I'll come to church once in a while. I'll check it off the list. No, 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 no. God wants all of us. All of us. 
So you come up here, if you want to have your passion reignited, you talk to God about it. We don't do this a lot, but I feel led to do it this morning as I was thinking and praying on this message. I feel like there are a lot of people that are going to get their passion back. And I'm looking for people, listen, I'm looking for people that are going to get involved. Aren't you tired of sitting on a seat and not doing anything in this place? Come on, I want to see what God can do through you. Consumer Christianity, I don't want any more of it. What can you give me, church? What can you give me? No, what can you give the church? It's been mixed up. Lord, Father, I pray as we sing this song tomorrow morning that you would pierce hearts. Father, create in us a clean heart. Lord, do not take away your spirit. Father, may this not be a church where people say once or twice over the 40 plus years that they experience revival. Lord, I want to see revival fall in this place. I want to see kids, Lord, kids come around. Enough of the devil taking these kids as they leave high school, never to come back. Father, we claim these kids. We claim that generation that they be a children that have passion and have real purpose and they would stand out. They'd be beacons of light. When other people see their good works, Lord, that you would be glorified in this place. I pray for those people right now. You're older. You're in your 60s. You're in your 70s. And you feel like life's over. Guess what? It's not over and God's not through with you yet. Still has more for you to do. Hey, Caleb. Hey, Caleb. You're old now, brother. You're old. I still have work for you to do. Steve, go ahead. I'll just keep going. the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies or till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Tom, we just, we as leaders felt the need to pray. Father, we pray for repentance in this place. Lord, I ask that all of us that are up here, even people that, that are in their seats, that we together, as a church, as a community, Lord, we repent of how we've fallen wayward. We repent of how distracted we have been. We repent that we have left. We have abandoned our first love. Father, please don't forget us. Lord, your grace, Lord, is, is unending. Lord, I pray that you would today reignite a real godly passion. We don't want religion. We just want more of you. Help us to sit down at your feet. Lord, help us to stop looking to the next stage of life. When I get here, then I can do that. When I get here, then I can do that. Lord, we don't want to skip stages. Help us to live in the present moment. 
Help us to live in the present stages that you have us in and to find you in all of it. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.